So we're glad you're here today. And it's what a great way to start the year with the family of God. So we're all here together. Uh, what a great way to start. Um, so what I want to do is give you a little, a little riddle. You like riddles? Okay. So Patrick did such a good job at the introduction here that I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to skip that. If I can. Skip. Oh, wait. Okay, so here's your riddle. This thing, all things devours, birds, beasts, trees, flowers. Gnaws iron, bites steel, grinds hard stones to meal. Slays kings, ruins towns, and beats high mountain down. Does anybody know the answer? Tony. Time. Time. Now, for bonus points, do you know where this quote comes from? Yes. The, no, Hobbit. the Hobbit. Okay, so time. You just watched it? Yes. That's cheating. So, so there's something about the new year that makes me think of time, and I think the new year is a great time to reflect on your life. Maybe it's when I see family pictures I look, and a year has gone by, and everybody looks older. Uh, the kids are growing up fast. Time flies uh, when you're having fun and when you're not having fun. So some questions I'm in the process of answering. This has a little delay on it. Sorry. Okay. This might be tiny, but I'll read them. So of myself, I ask, is the direction of my life and family according to his will and purpose? Because we can spend a lot of time doing a lot of things. But is it for him? Am I using this life I have been given in a manner that's worthy of him? Is my life counting for eternity? Am I honoring him with all of my busy activities, goals, and pursuits? And another question here. Am I a good steward of my time? So I think that's what we need to realize, that we are, we are stewards. Um, it's not our time. It's his so I want to turn to Psalm 90, chapter 90. So this was a psalm that stood out to me as something that kind of helps me in my reflection of, am I using my time for God? And just as a little background... So this is a psalm of, uh, actually it's a prayer of Moses, which is kind of unique. Most of the psalms are you know, by David or other psalmists, but this is a prayer of Moses. And it comes from what some believe is um, in Numbers chapter 14, when the Israelites uh, you know, sinned against God, they weren't allowed to go into the promised land. This was a prayer that Moses made. So it's a, it's a prayer of humility and a, really of repentance uh, for their... Uh, their rebellion, their murmuring, their, their misery. Now they're going to be miserable for 80 years wandering in the desert. Uh, I'm sorry, 40 years wandering in the desert. And so they didn't get to go into the promised land. So this was kind of a, just for a little background, so you know the context. And so what I'd like to do is, is first pray. 
So dear Lord, as we look at your word, I just, I ask that you would, by your presence and by your spirit, use your word to speak to us, uh, that you would reveal to each one of us your will for our lives. Help us to not only cherish, but to use the moments, the time we've been given uh, to serve you more fully and more completely. I pray that you put your finger on just anything in our lives that, that needs to go, anything that we hold dear that really doesn't count for your kingdom, that we would be willing to let those things go. And that's only by your your personal working, by your spirit, uh, that you can do that. And so uh, help us as we read uh, to really just hide your word in our heart, let it speak to us personally, individually, uh, and change us, that we would leave this place uh, changed and more in line with you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so let's. I'm going to read the whole chapter, so if you want to just follow along and then we'll go back and kind of talk about it. All right, so here it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn men back to dust, saying, return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new, by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years, or 80 if we have the strength, yet their span is but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger? For your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So that just really spoke to me, and I, I want to go back and look at each, you know, each section of verses here. And the first two, what stands out to me is that, that God is, and I think that's a great place to start. So I'm going to read that again. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were, brought, were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So when we think of time, it's important to remember God is. He's limitless. He's eternal. The Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. From everlasting to everlasting. And so this puts things in perspective that I'm temporal. I'm here but a short time. God is eternal. And so my first or initial reaction in that is he deserves praise because he is far beyond anything I can fathom or imagine. Uh, and that, that word, one commentator said, the everlasting to everlasting, it's the van- it means vanishing point. So as far back as you can remember, it's further than that. 
And as far forward as you can remember, it's further than that. And so we have no concept. I mean, when you look at the, the millions of stars, you know, the closest one, do you know what it is? Alpha Centauri, do you know how far away it is? Five, four point five light years. So, I mean, the closest star is five light years away, and it would take, in our current, with like a rocket, like over 100,000 years to get there if we started traveling now. So, I mean, just God is so far outside of anything we can even, even fathom and imagine. And so I see in this, ver- in this psalm a comparison. You know, I'm being compared with God, and really the only response is, is humility and submission to him. That, you know, in my time, I think, oh, my time is so precious, you know, and all this. You know, really it's, I mean, he, he deserves our worship and praise. And, and every moment I have, he, he really deserves it, uh, which, which spending my time for him can, in fact, be a worship uh, to him. So it also highlights here, I see the word, <clears throat> that word dwelling place. He's our dwelling place. So it shows that he's the source of my life. And when you think of dwelling, what's, you think of your, what, your, your home. So what is a home? It's a place you go for rest. You know, we feel safe there, hopefully. Uh, it's a place of protection. It should be. Um, so with an eternal nature like God, where else would I go for my dwelling place? Where else is there that I could go for comfort, for healing, for hope? So he is my source of life. And there's such a joy and a fellowship, or such a joy and a comfort in being in fellowship with God, being close to Him, like Patrick said. What better resolution to be close to Him, closer to Him, more so than I even am today. So He is our dwelling place. And I like how it says there, too, through all generations. You know, it's a new year, but there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new we could try that hasn't been tried before, but God is still the answer today yesterday and forever. And so that's, that's, you're in the right place today. Uh, you're, you're seeking to make him your dwelling place, and, and you're in the right place. So it's good to start with God. Who is God? Meditate on, on who he is. And, and it puts things in perspective. So, so God is. Mankind isn't. We just aren't. We don't, we don't have it. We're not cutting it. In, our, in and of ourselves. So verse 3, it says, you turn men back to dust. And that speaks of death, death dust, dust to dust. We, we come from dust. We return to dust. You turn men back to dust, saying, return to dust, O sons of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. James says we're but a vapor. That's it. We're gone. You sweep men away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning, though in the morning it springs up new. By evening it is dry and withered. So we're, we're dust. We're, we're, in a way, trapped by time. Time has an effect on us. So time is a created thing. God, outside of time, at one point, he created the, the, the earth, and we keep time through the, you know, the revolutions of the earth, you know, and, and it's, was it, I'm thinking of two words, revolution and revolve. So, so 
time is something created when the earth and sun and all that was created. So, so time is something I'm, I'm bound by. And really this time, it reveals my limitations. You know, you think of all the, the champions, the athletic champions, all these different feats that they've accomplished in their, with their bodies, which is pretty amazing. But what do, you, what do you notice about all of them? I mean, eventually time catches up with them and they're no longer the champion. You know, the, there's really no room for boasting because at some point somebody else will come and knock them off the, the throne. So we, we see this, the limitations of athletes and, you know, powerful world leaders. They're brought low by time. It's relentless, merciless. Like the poem there, it devours all. We can't buy it. We can't harness it. We can't reproduce it or really control it yet. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> not that I know of. So, that, and it's a, an issue of fascination, right? Time travel and all these things, sci fi. Uh, because it's something that affects all of us. And so we're at God's mercy, really, in this, in this issue of time. And so we see this comparison God versus me. God made time, I'm influenced by it. God knows the complete story, past, present, future. I can't even remember where I put my keys sometimes. You know, so uh, he's outside of time, whereas I'm bound by it in my physical body. Time doesn't affect him. He doesn't grow old, weary, forgetful, but I do. He's throughout all generations, and I'll be glad to last for one. You know, so, so he is so far beyond, and I, I think that's a great place um, to start, to realize, and it should invoke a sense of humility. And so you might think, what, what chance do I have? What chance do we have? So that's it. Let's go home, you know, and we can be depressed by this. It can be, you know, when I see pictures of my kids when they were small, it can create depression or, you know, Man, I wish I would have done this or that. But that's, that is the bad news, and I think we need to come to terms with that. But the good news is that I have been invited by God, by Jesus, into eternity. He, he, he has invited me into that eternity, that all generations. He, I'm invited into that. And, and that comes through the saving work of Christ. Eternal life is a gift that he's given by what he's done. He conquered death. He conquered sin. And so that's a gift that I can receive. And if you haven't received that gift of eternal life, I would just challenge you that, you know, death is something we all have in common. What are you going to do after that? When death comes, then what? You might have it all right now, but what is the profit of man to gain the whole world, yet lose his soul? And so we need to come to terms with that and say, you know, we need to humble ourselves and say, Jesus, I, I repent. I acknowledge you. I need you as my Savior and my Lord. And Colossians 3.2 says, Set your minds on things above, not on things of earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So this is true if you're a Christian. Your life is hidden in Christ. So we died with him. We'll, we'll rise again in the resurrection. And so that's the good news. That's the hope. My life is hidden in, in God through Christ. And I have the hope of eternity. as part of my inheritance as a child of God. But I still have this opportunity while I'm here 
to use time. So it's, I think it's both. We don't get depressed about the past and how we've maybe squandered time. Uh, but at the same time, it's not like I'm going to sit around, oh, I, got a, I got heaven waiting for me, I'm just going to put up my feet for a while. You know, I think there is a responsibility we have to use the time we've been given uh, as a gift. So let's, let's go to verse 7. So God is, we have this, oh, I did that already. So, so God is the righteous judge. And this, again, it goes back to the context. This was, you know, the people rebelled against God. God was, you know, he, he, he gave them a judgment. They weren't to go in the promised land. So this was, you know, Moses sort of realizing, you know, just not only is God, not only that he is, he's eternal, but he's also the judge. He stands in righteous judgment over us and over our deeds. It says, We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. And so just this realization that God is holy. Not only he is, but he is, he is holy. He's perfect. He's beautiful. It says, All our days... Pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. The length of our days is 70 years or 80 if we have the strength. Yet their span is but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass away and we fly away. Who knows the power of your anger, for your wrath is as great as the fear that is due you. You know, so Moses, you know, here realizes, you know, God cast the judgment on the people, there was a consequence. So life is short, so what do we do? Response one could be eat, drink, be merry, for tomorrow we die. But the part that doesn't maybe realize is that there is a reckoning, there's a consequence for our actions. So response two is to realize that I will give an account for my actions even as a believer, as a Christian. I'll give an account at the Bema seat. Uh, you know, I'm saved, but I'll still have to give an account for how I spent my time. And this should invoke fear. And that's not something we like to, you know, we like to talk about God's love, God's compassion. And, you know, that's true. But at the same time, there's also this, this sense of fear that is wise. It's wise to fear God. It's wise to come to terms with this so that we, we, we do that now, not in the future when we get there and say, oh, man, I'm sorry I didn't use my time better, you know. So look at Ecclesiastes um, chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. Uh, you can turn there, just listen. You know, this is Solomon, the wisest man in the world, and if you, if you read the previous chapters of Ecclesiastes, it talks about Solomon experiencing all these different things. He experienced uh, knowing lots of things. He experienced partying, doing whatever he wanted, living it up, kind of like that idea of eat, drink, and be merry. He tried all that, and what he realized at the end of his life was that that was all vanity, it was all empty, a waste of time. So Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. So after experiencing all these things, he says, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So I think it's important to come to terms with that, to say, 
wow, really? I mean, I, I do have a fear and, you know, a, a, an understanding that God will bring these things into judgment. And so how should we live? 1 Peter 1.17 says, Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. So we're just passing through. We're just strangers. We're on our way to heaven. Eternity is before us. You know, you've heard that keep a light touch on the world. Don't white knuckle anything. You know, I'm holding on to these things. Um, you know, it's, we're on our way. So live in reverent fear. So I think the conclusion here is what I do matters. What I do today matters. How I spend my time matters as a Christian. And you know the, the scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, 12 and 15. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. And this just shows that we are saved, yes, that's true, and it's kind of like a white sheet of paper. My sins are washed away. God does not account sin. He doesn't credit me for sin. I'm washed clean. That's it. I'm a blank sheet of paper. But if the pages of my book are just a blank sheets of paper, then how tragic. Then that's it. I'm saved, but they're blank pieces of paper. God wants to write his story in your life, in my life. He wants me to use my time to reflect his, his image and his purpose. And so, yeah, we'll be saved and that'll be great. But what opportunities you know, can, we, can we take advantage of now? And I like at the end of the chapter here, in, chapter, in uh, verse 17, in the New King James Version, it says uh, in Psalm 90, it says, And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. Let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. So in my story, I want that in my life. Not, not that I'm a golfer, I don't golf, but not, not that I scored a 60 on the course or whatever. You know, I think that's a good score. Um, and I'm the, I'm the kind of person, you talk to my wife, and I'm the king of hobbies. I have lots of hobbies. You know, I like gardening. I like exercising. I like um, reading books and doing this and that. And so really, it's a, it's a challenge for me. This is not something I have figured out. But it, it, in reflecting on this, that's really what I want. I want my life to be authored by God and have that, that beauty, the beauty of his plan and purpose. Uh, not that I just accomplished some great things, I mean, in my flesh. And that brings us to verse 12. So let's read that one. It says, teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number. And I think of the word number, I think of count. And you know that we watched that um, it was the Christmas story, the Christmas Carol, the Scrooge, and when his the Disney one, we watched that. So when his when his girlfriend comes in, right, he's there counting, you know, all his money, 
And what are the things we count? Things that have value, meaning. And so I think, do we value this, this life each day? Do we count our days? Do we say, you know, I'm not going to waste, if you're really into money, really value money, I'm not going to waste a dollar in this area. I'll make coffee at home, I can save two dollars. You know, and if you're a kind of a you know, frugal or a miser, that, that's the way you think about money. You, you invest it correctly. Why, why spend, you know, two dollars on a coffee? I can make it at home and I can take that money and that money will accrue over time. It's, I invest it in the right place. And so that's really, I, I kind of see that teach us to number our days, you know, count them, you know, value them. What value does your life have? Now, I think it's important to have the right perspective biblically. So 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19 goes on to say, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So my life was purchased with Christ's blood. My life is not my own. My time really is not my own, so it brings up this issue of stewardship. I'm a steward of time. I'm a renter of this body. So I need to be careful not to destroy it, not to waste it, not to put it in places it shouldn't be. You know, I'm, I'm, you know your landlord, when, if you rent uh, your landlord, you, you, have, you have to give an account when you move out. You don't get your security deposit if you mistreat it, right? So, so this, our bodies are on loan. Um, and so I think, you know, if I valued my life the way he sees it, that it belongs to him, it's his property, and if I saw it how God sees it, I think I would be more intentional about how I spend my time. That it's not just, you know, we live in a country and a time of, of history that we have so much leisure, leisurely time. There's a lot of, you know, free time. We call it free time. Um, but it cost him something, and I just think it's good to, to recognize that. You are the only one who has stewardship over your life. I can't tell you what to do with your life. I can't control your life. I can't make your decisions. I'm the only one who has stewardship over my life. So no one in the history of the world has ever been in your position today to influence the people around you in the way that you can right now. I mean, that's pretty sobering. No one in the history of the world. So you are important. Your time is important. Your time is valuable to God. Your influence is amazing. The influence you have over your neighbors, your kids, your family, uh, those around you. Through prayer, you can influence someone across the world. I mean, that's an amazing concept. So really this wisdom, verse 12, it's wise to think this way, and that comes from God's inspiration. He has to reveal that. It's a revelation from Him. And it's wise. There's something that's wise about sacrificing some momentary pleasure for a future reward. We know that's wise because the opposite is foolish. And we see this, right? So my son Varric he received a gift from Paula. It was a, well, all the kids, when, when they left, they received a sheet of chocolate. And it was an advent calendar that 
when you open each day, there's a piece of chocolate. Okay, so he's two. My son Varric's two, so he gets this thing, and I, I'm like, I look over, and there's like eight doors open. And he's got them all eaten. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not gonna freak out. It's like, okay, whatever. I'd rather have him eat it all and get it over with. Anyway, so then the next day, there's like eight more open, and then he had them all gone. And then he started going to the other ones. And he says, no, 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 you decided to eat yours all at once, so you're done. That's it. You've... And so that is a picture of, that's foolish, right? We, the momentary, you know, desire to eat all that chocolate right now, I want it now, okay? And then when the reckoning comes, well, I want more, it's, no, nope, sorry, that's it. You, you ate it all. You squandered it. And so there is definitely something wise about preparing for the, for the future in the sense that I'm going to deny myself today what I could have for a future reward in God's kingdom, whether to uh, bring more people to him, whether to, uh, you know, have a reward in heaven, giving up something I have now to gain something for eternity. Um, so that's wise. So there's something, uh, there's wisdom in that. And we need to learn that. It's something that's, I think God wants to teach us. He's teaching me and it takes, it takes time. You know, it takes fail. You know, if you fail, you make mistakes. You realize, um, I want to do it better this time. And that's why if you ever watch grandparents interact with children, isn't it a lot different than, than parents? I, you know, it's like all that stuff that bothers me doesn't really bother them. And, you know, I see Rich and Paula, they're, they're um, my in-laws, so I see them interact with the kids. And I'm kind of jealous sometimes because I want that, and I want that realization, but they've learned wisdom that, hey, maybe I made mistakes, and now I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to approach my grandkids differently. All the time is short. You know, they know that. I'm still learning that. Um, so this message is really for me. So let's go on. So verse... 13 and 14. So one of the ways we can use our time wisely is found in 13 through 15. It says, Relent, O Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us, for as many years as we have seen trouble. And so I really like how it says, in the morning, satisfy us with your unfailing love. And I think that's a key, that I need to be changed by his love on a, on a daily basis so that I have something to give, something to contribute, being satisfied. Um, you know, satisfaction, a lot of people, obviously in the world, you know, you, you make more money, then you'll be satisfied. Uh, if you, you know, do this thing or do that thing, you'll be satisfied. Well, we know that's not true. Um, satisfaction doesn't come through riches or, or a new you or a better you. If anything, you'll be disappointed because you fail or you'll feel really puffed up and proud because you achieved it and then you'll feel empty because it's not where it's at. And so this idea of being satisfied in the Lord, I, I really like that. It, it kind of gives me a picture of you know a quiet time with God, you know, learning to live in his love and and if I don't do that, I don't really have much to give 
anybody else because I don't that doesn't come from me like I don't have the capacity with especially kids I'm impatient and so if I'm satisfied in his love if I sense that in my life you know then I have something uh, an understanding wow God loves me despite my failure and that's how I can treat others Proverbs 23 4 through 5 says do not overwork to be rich because of your own understanding cease Will you set your eyes on that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away like an eagle toward heaven. So don't pursue riches. Uh, I think we know that, but it can be a trap sometimes. The if-onlys, if only I had more money. Habakkuk 2.13 says, Has not the Lord Almighty determined that the people's labor is only fuel for the fire, that the nations exhaust themselves for nothing? So I just pray that my life, your life, wouldn't just be fuel for the fire, you know, these busy things we do. Um, so I think we need to really spend that time each morning saying, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, what, what should I be doing with my time? And yes, it involves work. We all have to work. You know, it's some, it's some task, but I think getting his direction is good. And then this word gladness. You know, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. You know, there's always two ways to look at a situation. Um, and I have a few examples, but, uh, you know, we, we, no matter what, we can rejoice that our name is written in the book of life. No matter what, that's, that's primary. Um, but I can be kind of miserable sometimes about my present circumstances. And in my home as a father husband, you know, leader, those are my roles at home, I tend, I can set the weather sometimes, most times, all times, really. I determine the weather in my home. If it's going to be sunny, cloudy, hurricanes, you know, I don't know. Um, so I can look at each circumstance and say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this time, even though, you know, there are things that I notice that aren't right, I'm going to use this brief time that I have to be glad, be glad in, in the Lord and, and express that gladness to my kids, to my family, uh, to those around me. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So focusing on those eternal things can bring us gladness, getting God's perspective, his angle on things. Verse 16, this is a, you know, one that's really convicting to me. It's, I see here, leaving a legacy to children. So being glad, and then verse 16, may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. You know, so I see here the deeds, you know, may your deeds be shown to your servants. So I hope that you have deeds in your life that are authored by God, that God is doing deeds in your life, in, in my life, that's what I want. Deeds that can be seen by children. Remember, that's why in different parts of the Old Testament, they set up, uh, what is it, altars and different things, so that when the kids ask, what, what's this about, that they could... Tell their children about the deeds of God. So it is God working in my life. 
uh, every day. And so our choices, my choices affect my kids, uh, you know, my children around me. So I want him to have authorship in my life. And so children, you know, children are tough. They're beautifully foolish. Um, I should know the average age of five of my roommates is 4.4 years old. So, so this is a tough, it's a tough time of my life. It's, it's, you know, and I give my wife credit as preparing for this week. I had to take some time and I was like, you guys be quiet. I'm trying to study for the Bible to teach it. You know, it's like, so I, it's challenging, you know, so if you like cat fights, yogurt smears, peed pants, hysterical fits, Diapers, bedtime antics, and crazy laugh. If you don't know what that is, talk to Valencia. When we hear crazy laugh, we know it's all over. Uh, then you can come on over if you like that. Now, they say don't cry over spilled milk. Well, I do because have you ever seen spilled milk when there's stuff on your floor? It goes over under everything. It's stuck on everything. It's so I cry over spilled milk. So if you want to see that, come on over. Um, but the kids are funny, too. They're very endearing. Uh, I'll give you a few examples. I asked Viv one time, I think she was around five, you know, what is, I'm trying to get all spiritual. What does a person need to do to go to heaven? Well, die. <laughs> well, no, not exactly. <laughs> you know, so you're missing something there. Last night at dinner, or it was two nights, two nights ago at dinner, uh, this is me. Avelina, why is your hair sticking up like that? Did you cut your hair? No. You cut your hair, didn't you? Why did you cut your hair? I didn't like how it was sticking up in the back. I said, but now it's definitely sticking up in the back. It's just like, and good thing I was preparing for this message because normally that would just freak me out. Like, ah. But it's like, you know, you just let it go. And something you laugh about later. The foolishness, you know, this foolishness, it's bound up in the heart of a child. We know that. We, we need to teach this out of them, this foolishness. Uh, we need to disciple them. And so I think that's a great use of our time. You know, are we discipling? Is, is, does our time spent with them have meaning? Is it purposeful? Uh, Proverbs 17.6, I really like this. As it speaks to grandparents and parents. It says, children's children are a crown of old men, and the glory of children is their father. So this idea of you know, leaving a legacy that what you do matters to, to kids, to your kids, to other kids, kids in the church. They watch us. Um, they're impacted by us. So the children's children are a crown of old men. And the glory of children is their father. So, the, so these kids, they need us. They need us to be involved and to be discipling them. Uh, and I can benefit too, right? Can't we benefit from children? They have a way of making us more like Jesus, making us in the image of God. For example, I'm a perfectionist. I like order. I like clean. So God gave me children to try to work that out. Um, so my New Year's resolution is to not care about how clean the house is bet and except between the hours of 5.30 and 6.30 when I can actually do something about it. Right? So I spend a lot of time worrying. I waste time worrying about things that can't change in the moment. Man, the house is messy. Ah, I can't deal with it. But um, you know what's more important? So... So that's, that's something I'm going to try, you know. Uh, specific times to worry. And then the rest of the time, oh, I'm not going to worry about that now. I'll worry about that at 530. Put that off. Um, and like I said, we see grandparents interacting with children. We, we see um, how they are. And 
we can take a lesson from that. You, you here can probably teach me some things. Um, in verse 17, and I really like this part. It says, May the favor, and like I said, the New King James is, May the beauty of the Lord, or the favor of the Lord our God, rest upon us. So really, we want him to establish his work. It says, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. So, so this idea of work, you know, we don't have tomorrow yet. It's not guaranteed. All of our yesterdays are gone. So it doesn't pay to get all depressed about it. Today is a gift for his kingdom. Today. What work is there for me today? You know, I squandered a lot of time in my life. Many of us, I think, could say that. Uh, but what work is there for me today? What works matter to God? And I think it goes back to that fear God and keep his commandments. Those are the things that matter. That's the work that matters. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40 says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So do the things, the activities in my life fit into those two categories, loving God and loving people. Uh, so investing in relationships with God. A together time with God, I think that's important daily. I know in my life when I don't do that, I end up spinning my wheels in a lot of different pursuits that don't mean much. I don't feel on target, you know what I mean? So, so investing in that relationship with God first some practical things to invest in people, things that don't cost anything. Words. I find it very hard sometimes to say encouraging things to people, especially my kids. You know, they're doing the dishes. It's always, you, you missed this. Get the, you, give me that. Let me show you. You know, it's like, uh, that's not, you know, it's like, oh, you're doing a good job. You know, just, that, I don't know why that's so hard for me. Maybe it is you too. It's hard to say encouraging things. So using our words as a way to make an investment. Every time you say something positive like that, something building up, you know, let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth. Only such a word is profitable for the need of the moment. I say a lot of things that are just pointless or really tearing down. So practicing that. Prayers. You know, what better way to invest in my kids, in your, your children, you know, praying for... Sunday school, praying for you, praying for people. And I know a lot of you, a couple of guys, you know, a couple of people I talked to and Sandy and uh, Kelly back there, you know, you prayed for me this week and, you know, that kind of thing really, you know, I really appreciate that and that means a lot and thank you. Um, I think being intentional, not just spending time, I think quality time is good, quantity time is good, but having some goal or purpose um, you know, one of the things I'm trying is, you know, scheduling dates with my kids, you know, taking them out one-on-one -on -one is a good thing to do. Just ask them how their life is going. That time is going by so fast that I'm, someday I'm not going to have it, and um, I need to be intentional. Uh, an example this week, like, again, I have the advantage of, I've been studying this, so then I'm, like, more aware of it. So I had to do some chores, go out to the garden, take out the compost, you know, pick some things, you know, whatever, do some things that I had to do. And then Varric was, he's two, he was complaining. He wanted to go outside too. And now normally I might say, I don't have time. This is going to take too long if I take him with me. So I'm going to go out and then I'll come in and we'll hang out. 
But instead, it's like, okay, put on your boots, let's go. And we went out and we had a great time. It was, we, we, it took like longer, you know, like 20 minutes. But he wanted to go up there and put the bucket in the compost. And then he was crying about stepping in it. It was dirty. And, you know, so we had a fun time. It was great. But I remember that. And I think, you know, he, he does too. Our kids remember that too. So, so not just with kids, but with other people, you know, take them with you when you do something. I see some, uh, I see people do that, and it's impressive, you know, take, take them with you to your, with your, in your work that you're doing. Make them a part of it. Um, little things, you know, faithful in the least, faithful in the much. So for me, at this point, this season in my life, it's changing a diaper, doing the dishes, make that phone call that I need to make to my mom or, you know, family. Uh, so those things, being intentional, scheduling it in. You know, we schedule doctor's appointments. We do all that. Can we schedule in time, purposeful time with family, time with God, schedule in time with God, those kinds of things. I think those are ways, just a few practical things to redeem the time. Those are the works we should be about. Um, and let me just talk briefly about age. Uh, don't let it disqualify you. I'm too young to do that. What do I know? That's what I'm thinking right now. Uh, what do I know? Jim should be up here. He'll be up here next week. Or, or I'm too old to do that. Let the energetic folks do that. Okay, this is a battle for all of us. The enemy would love to steal the realization of your influence. We're all influential, like I said earlier. No one has your influence. And so this is a battle. The enemy would like to psych us out. And, and it's just a lie. You have influence. And so, the, like I said before... You have influence today, so don't worry about yesterday. You repent. You say, I'm sorry, Lord. Help me to make better choices now. That's it. We can't live in the rearview mirror. That's dangerous when you're driving on the road. Yeah. It's very dangerous. So look ahead. You know, what, what does God want me to do today? So in conclusion, we can realize that God is an outside of time eternal. May he let us learn the wisdom of numbering our days and make our days count for God. Be satisfied in his love. Don't chase the if onlys. Uh, and may he work in his power through us to establish his work. Let's pray. Lord, we just uh, thank you today that this this beautiful day, a, a new start, a new Sunday for a new year, and uh, Lord, we just thank you that you are eternal. Uh, Lord, someday we're going to be in your presence and your kingdom forever uh, in heaven. Uh, but right now, we just are so limited by our knowledge and our understanding. We're limited by our, uh, just our weakness, the frailty of our flesh. And Lord, so we just want to commit to you. Our days are numbered, and they're in your hands. And I just pray for the wisdom for our congregation to realize that, Lord, that we would uh, take advantage of every moment that we have, that we be satisfied in your love, that it's only through that understanding of, of who you are and your love for us that we really can go out and love others and that, Lord, you would establish our congregation, you would establish the work that you want to do in us corporately, in us individually, uh, and that we would realize the impact of our relationships uh, in, a, in a daily way, Lord. Help, help me, help Help all of us, Lord. We 
uh, greatly need you. Uh, protect us from that busyness that robs time from your presence, from realizing uh, just what you want to do in our lives. So we praise you for today. We thank you for today. Uh, thank you for your word. And we do lift up Rich and Paula and that you would uh, protect them, keep them safe, and uh, help them to be used by you while they're uh, in Israel too. Uh, it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.